0: Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington DC and you're
1: listening to Meet Athlete Radio. Doug, it's the first week of Major League Baseball season. Approximately how many dollars have you lost on DraftKings?
2: I haven't started yet, but I am <laughs> on my list for this week. I know
1: you're thinking about it.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Not, not on my list. I didn't actually add it to my to-do list, but I am definitely am planning to spend some time uh, playing around the little DraftKings.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I, I've signed up for a free trial of a uh, the statistics site, which is fifty dollars a month. So I don't think Oof. I'm going to keep doing it. I just, but but just think about what that fifty dollars a month could could
2: I know millions, worth in terms be of DraftKings money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Uh,
1: DraftKings. We're looking for DraftKings sponsorships because they sponsor everything else in the world. So I just I'm I'm insulted that they haven't tried to <laughs>
2: sponsor sponsor every athlete rating. Right
1: yeah, it says athlete in it. It's a perfect yeah, target yeah, market. It's
2: perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, i don't know if you can hear uh, some cooing, but Eliza is on my lap right now. Oh yeah? Yep.
1: We've been talking about having uh I guess Eliza's a little bit young perhaps for a <laughs> podcast interview. <laughs> we have been talking about having children on uh because I don't know I've just had some people come by who have told me that we should have the kids on the podcast because they I don't know they have a a nice innocent little view of veganism and I think it's cute and you know it's genuine and, and they're actually really cool about it like my son Holden they made bread in his class the other week and he had to be the one who like spread the butter around the dish the whatever the baking pan oh really um, yeah, and he, like, he came home and just could not believe how gross it was. He just said it was the grossest thing ever that he had to spread this slimy stuff. And I was like, well, why, why was it so gross? Because to me, butter, like, although eating it kind of seems a little off-putting now, like, it doesn't itself seem like a gross object to me, a stick of butter. Uh-huh. Um, but he was like, because it's really slimy, and, like, thinking that it has come from an animal just seems really yucky to me, huh. which I thought was really interesting. That is uh,
2: interesting.
1: And their, their bread also had honey in it, and... He, he doesn't want to eat it like we th- we've and i'm i'm transparent about this i don't ever try to try to hide it um because I'm, I'm not ashamed of it but we tell him like i you know you, you're welcome to try whatever you want we don't want to force this on you and you can do it so i always remind him i'm so, you know you can have this you don't have to assume you're not allowed to have this type of thing that the other kids are allowed to have you can make your own choices uh but he just doesn't want to he just doesn't want to have it because it has animal products in it
2: I wonder Which, why they assigned him to the butter stick.
1: I have no idea because they know he's vegan, uh, and
2: funny.
1: and they're and they're really cool about it and and all this you know. In fact, the teacher just found out that Oreos were vegan, so she was quite excited to tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. <laughs> um, well,
2: well, that's cool. That's that's cool that he had that response to it, and
1: uh... yeah, it's for some in some way it's inspiring to me. Like he just genuinely wants not to eat animals, and he doesn't feel pressure to do it or anything. I just I just like. I don't know, so I'm I'm I think it will be fun. It'll it'll take some planning to make sure it just doesn't turn into a disaster of an episode. Uh-huh. You know, who knows what what they might say, but um, I mean, <laughs> it just not, might take a lot of maybe
2: it. not do it live, you know, maybe just <laughs> right. No, I
1: just think who knows. You got to corral kids. They they're gonna say a bunch of things that that aren't that interesting. I think right. right. Like I mean, he might say he might say ten really good, insightful, funny sentences. But among ten paragraphs of like stuff that seems important to kids, that is <laughs> awesome. We're like, oh my god! Yeah, I
2: don't
1: know. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. I, I guess I shouldn't assume that. He, yeah, may, be, maybe, maybe
2: he'll surprise you.
1: Maybe he knows what good content is, and he knows how to create it and be be as brief as possible while still delivering the goods. Who knows?
2: You know, Holden could be the key to taking this podcast to the next level.
1: Maybe he may be he may be the successor of the Domed no Athlete Empire. He might he <laughs> might be the one that takes it over.
2: That's right. That's true we'll see <laughs> anyway
1: All right. anyway so we so one day we'll have eliza on and ellery on yeah we can have royal rumble debate or something
2: <laughs> it might be a few years before uh, eliza can can <laughs> contribute anything worthwhile but you know she can look hey. cute she looks adorable there
1: right you go do a little video a little vlog
2: ah perfect <laughs>
1: People I don't know people do vlogs anymore. Is that still oh, a thing? Yeah,
2: Vlogging is still a big thing.
1: Vlogging. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, you can't laugh at vlog when <laughs> as a professional blogger. I it's just not even a word. It's just
1: it doesn't you don't make vegan L into your into a word and and then make it a job. That's crazy. <laughs> I
2: mean, people do. YouTube. I guess they Let's maybe YouTubers. YouTubers. YouTube. That, that's that's yeah. more
1: that's much much more professional and legitimate sounding.
2: I'm professional. All right, but then you, are are there professional Facebookers?
1: Yeah, social media, social uh, media. I don't know, elites, social media power users.
2: Yeah, but yeah, okay. They're professional,
1: professional yeah. everything, Doug. <laughs> yeah, professional DraftKings players. Actually, that's the fact. I've read articles about them, and it's kind of interesting.
2: Professional DraftKings players,
1: people who do 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 daily fantasy as their job and do really uh, well with it. Apparently, interesting, which I find interesting as a potential future job when uh, once <laughs> i you hand know. off somebody, yeah, it rains to home. <laughs> <end. laughs>
2: yeah yeah there you go sounds good
1: all right in all seriousness we should get to our interview today which is with pamela ferguson who is a friend of mine and uh just very very in well informed she's a phd in nutrition and a vegan registered dietitian she runs a practice up in Toronto, and her website, by the way, is PamelaFerguson.com, which we forgot to mention in the interview, so I feel compelled to do it now, um, but she does like a nutrition consulting practice, and just, just one of the, I don't know, just we see eye to eye on a lot of issues, she gets it, she's practical, uh, but at the same time, really scientific-minded, and I just really like that, so uh, our discussion this time actually wasn't about super science-y stuff, it was it was about more real-world practical-type issues. And specifically, the issue of whether it is best to change, like if, if you want to create change, and and I don't mean, and I, by the way, I spent the first ten minutes of our interview on the recording trying to clarify what the question is we're trying to answer, uh, because it was very easy to confuse it with the discussion you and I always have about is the all-in approach better than the small steps approach for for creating change? What Pamela's in my discussion is, and you'll hear me repeat this five times, so I don't even know why I'm saying it now, uh, is w- whether or not or whether it's better to, you know, have moderation in specifically diet, but in anything, um, or or better to have a hard line thing and say I, I do not cross this line when it comes to my diet, right? I, I do not eat oil, or, or I do not eat animal products, or I, you know, to a lesser extent, I only have a cheat day on Sunday and no other time do I allow cheats in. Um, so that was a discussion, and and. You know, we just kind of go back and forth. We didn't have a lot of structure to the conversation, or no planned structure. But uh, I'm really happy with how it turned out, and we raised a lot of interesting points that uh, have had have had me thinking and just wondering what kind of follow up I might do in the form of a blog post or future interviews. Um, you know, something more structured that has come from from the inspiration from this interview.
2: Yeah, makes sense. That does. It's, it sounds. <laughs> it sounds good. Good. And uh, and Pamela is great. She's written a few blog posts for an American athlete as well. And uh, yes. I'm excited to... I have not not yet blog. heard this interview and I look forward to hearing it. Yes.
1: It's a good one. So anyway, um, but she's from Toronto and that's, that's the Blue Jays country, which which makes me... You know what I'm going to be going to, Doug? Uh, this is unrelated to... No one else should care, but i uh, going <laughs> <laughs> to see a Blue Jays and Tampa Bay Rays game in the Dome Stadium. Oh, that's so fun. The, the only remaining non-retractable roof dome stadium in major league baseball down in i guess it's st petersburg florida
2: have you been there before
1: no i've never been to a dome stadium at all not even a retractable roof dome stadium
2: huh have neither, you? neither no neither
1: have i people say it's weird and that's what that's that's why i'm going i don't really care about the rays and the jays but i i do want to experience the dome why does florida the first have a have a dome i was wondering that same thing i i don't know if it's the heat or not. the the miami marlins have a stadium and i don't know if that one's a dome
2: not so I a new one,
1: right? I don't think it is. I mean, it's, yeah, the new stadium, but I don't think it's a dome.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think so either, yeah.
1: Unless it's retractable roof. Right. I have no idea. It's an old stadium. It wasn't even originally made for baseball. They did other stuff in it, too, apparently. Mm. But it's, it's I, think they, I think they've done away with the domes as far as new stadiums go. People don't like them. Yeah. But I'm going to one.
2: All right. I'm going to play ball. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> okay. Uh, with that, let's get to our interview. <laughs> All right. Alright. Hey everyone, Matt Frazier here with a second time guest on Nomad Athlete Radio, Pamela Ferguson, who is a nutrition PhD and registered dietitian who happens to be vegan, uh, who I've met in Toronto, and we've I guess Pamela you've written out two posts for Nomade Athlete. This is your second time on the podcast, so you're becoming something of a regular here, which I think is Fun, and we uh, we've got some more stuff in the works. We're working together on a new project that we will be sharing sometime in the near future. So I'm I'm really excited about that, and to to have you on again, Pamela.
0: Well, thank you so much, and uh, I'm also a big fan. I listen to all the podcasts and, <laughs> and uh, really <laughs> really enjoy um, having you guys in my ears while I'm doing my long walks.
1: Wow! So you listen to them all, and you're still a big fan. That that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So uh what what we are going to talk about today which I'm excited about because we uh, one of the things that I've found in our interactions and I guess part of the reason we we have sort of escalated the amount of stuff that we're doing together uh is that we do see eye to eye on a lot of issues or at least in sync uh in in our approach to plant-based diet but more generally just healthy choices and that's what this topic is it's it's the topic of uh I guess the the all or nothing approach versus moderation, and I don't mean this in the quite the same way. There, there's this this habit change discussion that Doug and I have a lot on the podcast uh, of when you're trying to make a change, whether it's best to just go for it, uh, like all which we call the all in approach or the massive action approach, or take small steps. And small steps being kind of the the I would say sort of the trendy thing these days, uh, as more and more habit change research comes out and shows that. Uh, we're more likely to stick with changes when we approach them gradually. Uh, that's a little bit different, Pamela, from from what. Actually, I should give you credit for coming up with this idea. You heard it after uh, you listened to Rich Roll's podcast with Andrew Taylor, who is the uh, the potato diet guy. Uh, and this idea of like, I, I don't know, Pamela. Maybe you should talk about it. In, in what way would you say this is different? Because it does feel a little bit different to me uh, from the debate about all in versus small steps. it just that we're not really, when we talk about moderation, like, like um, the all or nothing approach versus moderation, it's not so much that moderation is approaching anything. It's kind of just like, you know, I'm okay with eating a little bit of oil now and then, even if I have no real goal to, um, to eliminate it. I, I'm just, I'm comfortable with moderating it and having it be at this level in my life versus I'm someone who says, I have to have a hard line that says, I cannot uh, ever had this because I know that if I do, then um, i you know, it, it's a slippery slope from there, and then I'm, then I'll start having it all the time.
0: I think that's right, Matt, and I think it's all about um, uh, the ap- approach of using a moderation approach versus kind of a radical transformative approach to nutrition, and it's about whether you are the kind of person that can be successful with moderation um, and. Uh, take a moderate approach to your diet and say, okay, I'll include oil, for example, a little bit and be able to actually achieve that? Or are you the kind of person that needs to be a bit more all or nothing saying, you know, I'm going to take a no oil approach. And uh, that's the only way for me that I can uh, achieve the goal that I want. Because if I try to be moderate and say, well, I'll just have a little bit of oil, what will easily creep in is that I'm having oil all the time. And so it's kind of, uh, are you able to be successful in moderation? Um, is that something that we as a society or we within the plant-based community are likely going to be able to do, or do we need to be more radical, more hardline and, um, take a firmer approach?
1: Right. And so as you were saying that actually something kind of crystallized a little bit for me and that, again, going back to the difference between what we are talking about this, this, uh, like it's hardline versus moderation, now versus the other debate of, you know, all massive action versus small steps. Like one, let's say after listening to you and I talk this this time, somebody might say, okay, well then I am actually I, I've learned from this episode that I am somebody who needs to, and I'm just using the oil example again because it's an easy one, uh, but it could apply to anything. Someone might listen to this and say, okay. I, I now get it. I'm someone who needs to have uh, the all-or-nothing approach. So, moderation is not going to work for me. I need to have no oil in my life. Otherwise, I'm going to be having it all the time. So, someone might come to that conclusion. Then the question is, how do you actually get there, right? And, and the way to get to that exactly. point might actually be to take small steps and gradually reduce the oil, rather than just flipping the switch and overnight you have have no more. So that's the difference between those those uh, those two discussions. And I'm sorry to to be harping on that that exact issue but i didn't it didn't even occur to me that this was so similar to that debate uh, that we talked about all the time so i don't want people to to put it in that box and assume this is the exact same uh, discussion because it, it isn't that it's more about like once you've achieved or let, assuming you can get to some sort of steady state is it is it better for you or are you more likely to to make it work if if that steady state is one that says I have a hard line that I do not cross meaning I I don't have oil or I'm I'm 100% vegan or whatever whatever it is that you're you're trying to figure out uh, or is it better to say you know once a week twice a week maybe now and then when I feel like it I can I can zag a little bit instead of zigging because I know that I just know that I'm someone who doesn't get addicted and I can just I can just that works for me I can moderate I can have little little treats here and there and I'm going to be fine
0: Exactly. I think that's the discussion. That's the
1: question. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that took a long time to figure out what we're talking about. Um, okay, so I got, let's start with the podcast, because this is where the idea came from. Um, and Rich, I think I've heard him say this before, but you said that he said it in this particular episode, that he has this sort of addictive personality, and, and his, uh, his struggles with alcohol, and then his eventually uh, beating those struggles, or, or I guess winning that battle, uh, as much as you can win that. I don't know that, that an alcoholic ever says they've fully won, because they kind of are always are always just, uh, being vigilant, I guess. Um, but you know, so he, he said he has this addictive personality and that's probably what drives the, the, the stuff he does, the ultra, uh, endurance pursuits that he, that he pursues. Um, so I guess that's a, that's a good place to start. Do we think it's a personality issue? I mean, Pamela, you've dealt with this, You deal with a lot of one-on-one clients. I didn't mention here that, that you have a, uh, nutrition consulting practice up in Toronto. Uh, so you do deal with a lot of people and meal planning and different things like that. Nutrition consulting, of course. Um, so you probably have a a better, uh, more informed viewpoint than I do actually about this. I mean, do, do you think it is? It does come down to the type of person. Like, is that should that is that the deciding factor of whether whether you should be an all in person or a uh, a moderation person?
0: Well, I think. I think that is the key question. I think let's start with Rich. You brought up Rich Roll, and I think he falls probably fairly far um, to one extreme here. If there is a spectrum, I think he falls fairly far to the extreme. And he would be, I think, the first to admit that um, alcohol for sure has been an issue for him, um, that he does have an addictive personality. He would consider himself or say that he is still an alcoholic, that he's... Um, thankfully, you know, being in recovery for a long period of time and is not drinking, which is great. Um, but it's something that he renews his commitment to that every day. And, and he also did struggle with addiction to food, to unhealthy foods, and was eating, you know, what he calls, I think, the window diet, like drive, drive up to, mm-hmm. uh, the window and order the fast food. And, um, so I think that that is, Um, a certain personality type. And I think some of us fall into that category, maybe not quite uh, to that extreme. Um, And I think you're absolutely right. Maybe some of the same drivers that drive some of us toward that addictive personality um, that could potentially get us into addictions like alcohol might also get us into um, addictions like ultramarathon running or maybe um addictions like eating uh nothing but bananas. Um <laughs> so uh I think that uh we need to just see that as uh a personality type that Uh, does go to the extreme, but also is maybe a personality type of someone who can really accomplish a lot of things in their life. And I think Rich has said that any time when he looks back over his life, when he has really accomplished something incredible, it's been when he had to go out of the moderate approach or the balanced life approach and to do something where he was really all in, perhaps sacrificing sleep or falling out of balance in other areas of his life to really focus and dedicate his time and his energy to one thing. Um, And I think diet can fall into that as well. Um, We sometimes maybe do need to really focus on a goal and um, make uh, hardline rules for ourselves in order to achieve something. Um, And then there may be others among us who are successful at moderation maybe there are some who fall at the other end of the spectrum and for them, it's absolutely no problem. You know, they're those people who can have uh potato chips in their house and they have a bag of them and they open the bag of potato chips and get like a half a cup of potato chips out <laughs> and eat them as a snack. And then they seal the bag back up and put it back in the cupboard. And like two days later they go and have another half a cup of potato chips. And I think, um, You know, there are a few people who are like that. And then there are, you know, quite a few people who would say, oh, you know, once I open the bag, I'm going to eat the whole thing. And I think if moderation as a concept was really successful for us as a society, I'm not speaking specifically of within the plant based community, but as a society, then I think we'd all be very healthy because that's the message that is sent to us um, kind of You know, all foods can fit, um, you know, just eat unhealthy foods in moderation and take sort of an 80-20 approach, 80% of the time be healthy, 20% of the time have treats. And that all sounds good, but when you look at the population um, within the U.S., two-thirds of the adults in the U.S. are either overweight or obese. And so moderation for the general population in the U.S., is not working most people would say they're trying moderation uh, but i would say for most of them it's not working out
1: yeah i mean so so a lot of stuff there of course to to respond to but i mean what the the thing you've said at the end there i think like the idea is is sound right (laughs) that like moderation in and specifically in diet here that moderation in diet Should work, right? Like, like even Doctor Herman has said things like, if you eat ninety percent of your calories according to his nutritarian approach, which is whole foods, plant based, um, then it basically doesn't matter where the other ten percent of calories come from. He says, like, he does has not seen compelling evidence that if you're eating ten percent or fewer of your calories from, you know, some other source that's that's just junk food, whether it's animal products or something else, uh, he hasn't seen evidence that that that's much different from eating a hundred percent perfect diet and never never slipping or or giving yourself that that indulgence um so yeah i think in in as a theory it it makes sense like that that would get people very very healthy if we could all follow that as you said the problem is that i think it becomes an excuse right and people even people who think they are doing moderation correctly uh actually aren't just because of of lots of problems that that we have or, or biases i guess that we have towards giving ourselves more credit than we deserve and and i mean really we have a bunch of stuff that exists for some evolutionary purpose uh that, that basically allows us to not even see clearly. And like, like you've mentioned to me, Pamela, the idea that like, we might think that we eat healthy 80% of the time when in fact it's actually only half the time. Uh, it's just that we have this kind of scotoma that we literally just don't even remember these, these times when we chose to eat fast food or do whatever uh, just because it doesn't fit into our, this picture of ourselves that we have and we literally just don't see it and we think we're telling the truth in saying that we eat healthy 80% of the time when in fact it might only be 50%.
0: I think you're exactly right and um you know I will sometimes ask clients to record everything they're eating for a few days um and people will uh take different approaches when they when they hand uh that over to me they'll often say you know that they were really surprised that they were thinking that they were eating much healthier than they were but then when they started writing everything down they realized oh there were more treats and snacks, um, in there that were less healthy choices than they expected, or also very commonly they'll say, um, oh, this was not my usual dietary pattern. I don't usually eat like this. This was different because, um, you know, I had a friend in town or we went out for drinks or, whatever, uh, any different reason why this was not actually a typical three days for them. <laughs> um, but I, I absolutely agree. I don't think people are lying. I think that um, absolutely we convince ourselves that we are being healthy and we want to think that. And, uh, you know, I think even you and I are susceptible to that. This is not us uh, looking out at the community and saying, you know, that we live differently or think differently than this. I think we're all susceptible to, to doing this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll get into hopefully a few examples of, of what we are actually doing in our lives and, and some of the different areas. And the thing, I mean, I fall into that all the time, especially with alcohol. Um, I will, uh, you know, I have family, friends or whatever, and, or have events or something going on where it's easy for me to drink, I don't know, drink three drinks, three days in a row. And then I say, okay, well that was just because I had that kind of stuff going on. I had this work event, I had family in town, all that. Uh, but then sometimes I'll look back and I'll say, wait a minute, I had I had that three-day pattern happen four times last month. And it's like, wow, that yes, it it is, it does feel like an exception. But for whatever reason, like with my you know work schedule being different now, more flexible, like it just happens that lots of opportunities like that arise. So I've started to face that and say, hey, this actually isn't uh that's not just that rare of an occurrence now that I have a three-day period where there's an opportunity to drink three drinks in those each of those three days. Um it, it's something that I'm, you know starting to realize, like, wow, that, that happens all the time, and, and maybe I need to start viewing that as uh, as not an exception. That is actually some that's a typical weekend nowadays. So I need to actually change my behavior if I don't uh, if I don't want that to you know if I don't want to be drinking three drinks in a row, three or three drinks a night, three nights in a row, for example. Exactly. Yes. Um. So I don't want to jump around too much, but I I don't want to also get too far from uh, another point you brought up, which was this idea about um, extreme personalities that that somehow sometimes is very useful um for you know particularly in in kind of in achieving things or going after big goals uh i i used the word addictive personality earlier uh and i i was actually wondering about that question like is addictive the same as extreme and i don't know for sure that it is because i i think there are some people who who you know just won't get they they aren't addicted they won't get addicted to uh foods for example um but they are still someone who's extreme. There's still someone who does the ultra running. There's still someone who, who dives into projects and just puts everything in it. Even though, it, I, in no sense for me is that really addiction. It's just because they kind of they do um, maintain this this uh, this choice. It's always a choice to dive into stuff. And so I, I don't know that it, that it, uh, that addictive is the same as extreme. And I don't know that it's really worth spending much time on on that distinction. Um, I, but go ahead. I think you're right
0: I think just I think I don't know if it's exactly the same maybe there is an element of addiction there the adrenaline or the excitement of a new project or um but I think what we would need to be careful with is just not casting that with a negative um glow you know mm-hmm. we don't want to just assume and the term addictive is a bit loaded it does sound like it's negative extreme even can be negative and I think we need to be careful to not just automatically assume that these things are negative. Uh, you know, I think Rich is probably right that uh, for a lot of people in order to achieve extraordinary things, um, they do need to really focus and, uh, that might mean other things in their life becoming out of balance for a period of time. Um, and that is not necessarily negative. And so I think we just shouldn't, uh, assume that it's negative. And I also think that, you know, we need to be careful, not looking at what everyone's doing in society, like sort of the standard approach to eating and also to the way we manage our lives and assume that that standard or sort of normalized approach is healthy or good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if someone doing something different than what's being done diet in their diet or in their life, than the standard American approach is not necessarily a bad thing because there are some unhealthy patterns that we're in.
1: Sure, oh absolutely. Um, I mean, and that, that itself relates to what you said, like there, there is this, I think there's even like, so I've written blog posts in the past about goal setting and achieving goals. And I've talked some somewhat about, um, that I think it's important to find an obsession worthy goal and that, and right. that get obsessed with that goal is one of the very best things you can do for the purposes of achieving that goal for me. And I just think, you know, we talked about, you, you talk about extre- achieving extraordinary things, uh, just by, by definition, basically, that means that they are extraordinary because most people won't do what it takes to get there. Right. So, so it it basically for, for most people, maybe there are some exceptions, just extraordinarily gifted people, uh, you know, who, who, for, for whatever reason don't have to work that hard, but even they, uh, to really stand out in their field, you know, the ones who really stand out are the ones who are gifted and are basically obsessed with that, that singular pursuit. um, so I think, I think it's absolutely critical, and one of the things that I've talked about, one of the kind of um, approaches to achieving goals that I've written about before, is basically get obsessed with something, do everything you possibly can to to achieve that or, or further you know your, your progress in that, and then once you hit the point of Burnout, whether that means you know you've either achieved it or your efficiency has taken a massive drop off because you just can't do that anymore. You, you've kind of you've you've put forth your effort and now it's kind of gone. Um, that that's kind of when you or I would say I, because I, I'm the one who does this. Um, that's when I shift shift and and then take care of the things that have fallen out of balance. So so right. I've never really been able to achieve anything that I would call balance in my life, uh, with the exception of diet. For some reason, diet's one where uh, where you know, it is pretty easy for me to, to just moderate, but everything else, it's basically like focus hard on one thing, let everything else start to kind of go into chaos because it's, all the energy is going into this one area and then shift and then take care of some other area. And then that area gets improved while everything else starts to, to go into chaos. So it's basically just constantly tending to one little spot in the garden at a time while everything else goes into chaos. Uh, but because there is this making sure to, uh, over time, vary where those energies go, uh, you know, my life, my life works. It doesn't, it doesn't feel totally chaotic all the time. Um, right. But I do recognize that for some people that would, that would be a chaotic life and just one that they couldn't, couldn't deal with. So I think it does have to do uh, a lot, but I'm just saying that to like, yeah, like we're not trying to judge anyone. I, I think that is probably the most efficient way, uh, to make progress in a lot of areas. Whereas if you, if you just spread your energy out in a lot of areas and put forth, uh, I don't know, put forth, let's say, let's say you're working in five different areas and you put a 20% effort into five different areas. I, I think you're going to be way better off putting 95% of effort into one area and dividing the remaining 5% among the other areas and then making tons of progress there and then shifting. Um, just because as I said, the nature of things is that, is that if you're trying to do really well or something to exceed or to, to excel in something, um, you know that that just dividing your focus among lots of areas typically won't do it, uh, whereas pouring yourself into into one, I think it will.
0: I love that, and I I think it does come back to goals, and I like that you tied it into that, and I think um, we can bring that back around to our nutrition and what is your goal within for your diet? Like, do you have a goal where maybe you um, are. Have been told by your doctor that you have high cholesterol, for example, or that you have high cholesterol in your family, and so you do want to um, get your health under control and get your cholesterol under control. And uh, are you trying to eat in a way that manages that? Or are you motivated by um, eating a diet that's best for the environment? Or are you trying to run a marathon? And so you're trying to fuel yourself to train in the best way you can to achieve the best um, results that you can on race day, or are you trying to lose 20 pounds so that you'll be healthier and feel better about yourself? You know, what are your goals? And I think your diet, um, does need to fit with those goals. Um, and I think that brings us back around to, uh, the kind of more transformative or radical approaches or, a more moderate approach and what's going to work better for, you know, I think you need to look at what your goal is and then which of these approaches are going to fit better for you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I guess when it comes back to diet, now, now is when I have trouble relating And And I've kind of alluded to the fact already that I, that basically that some, I think someone can, and I think you agree, Pamela, that someone can be, um, <laughs> the right approach can, can vary even within a per, a given person. Uh, and yes. I'm not really sure yeah. what, what dictates that. Because like I said, for me, like you know going after whatever trying to qualify for Boston or run a hundred mile or like or or build a business doing something cool like this like that that to me has has been like a dive in project but for whatever reason diet I've always been pretty good about just moderating and never really like I mean yes I'll dive in for little experiments here and there um but typically I do better with that one uh, you know I don't want to be overly restrictive I guess some people would view being vegan as overly restrictive um but but like I yes, so yes, I have that hard line, but after that as far as like, you know, you know like I can go get the half a cup of potato chips or I can have the three drinks one night and I'm not going to turn into an alcoholic. Like I, for whatever reason I just don't have that addictive part of me when it comes to food. Um which isn't I'm not trying to bring this conversation back to me. It's just another example of some, you know, people being uh th- that that it's not one size fits all here or or <laughs> that it's not I guess one approach fits one person only and like they can't you can't have both of these. Um but I don't know. But when it comes yeah, to food, and I sorry, like I mean, I sorry to interrupt you, but like when it comes to food, I just it almost feels to me like food is more. I don't that I guess somebody might have a a food goal, right? They might have a, a fairly urgent food goal that says I need to lose all this weight, or I'm going to get really sick and die, uh, or you know, someone someone may have reason to believe that. Uh, or they may think that, that, you know, they may get some results about their heart condition and say, I have to change this diet, uh, or else something really bad could potentially happen. Um, even in that case though, I just don't, I feel like then, then it still is, is a question, not just like, do I really want this goal? But one that says, am I someone who can actually, eat? like if the prescription to solve this heart problem I'm having, uh, is a really extreme, let's say like a McDougal diet, just because that, that's fairly extreme in a lot of people's eyes. Um is that the right answer just because like does that does that goal and urgency of that goal does that immediately dictate and say then moderation is not the answer for you, you have to do this all the way? Uh or could someone answer that with like, wow, you know, I'm just not that type, that's not my personality and if I if I go for something 100% like that with no exceptions, then I know for a fact that I'm going to fail and ultimately not not achieve this goal that that <laughs> you know, otherwise seems to be pointing to something that, or pointing to to an approach that is really, uh, really
2: all in.
0: Absolutely. And I think that is where the individual personality and motivation does come in. And let's stick with that example of someone who maybe does receive um, a message about their health, and they really feel that they need urgently to make some changes. But that doesn't mean that they need to take a very extreme approach and for example, uh, be 100% no oil, um, for example, uh, if they are the kind of person that really can say, okay, you know, once a week I'm going to have um, a treat that's going to have some oil in it and that's important to me. And it's like it's a time when I have my kids with me and we enjoy this treat or my grandchildren or whatever and, and we enjoy this together. And then the rest of the week I'm going to eat you know, um, a no oil approach and, uh, and that, and that works for them and that's totally fine. And that's great. Whereas other people might feel that that's just not going to work for them and they are going to have to take a more extreme approach, um, in order to be able to get results because for them, as soon as they make one exception, then, you know, uh, a hundred exceptions come in. And I know you're saying that for you, moderation in diet is, is not a problem and that is fantastic. But I would say that for a lot of people and certainly for my clients, I would say the majority of my clients do have challenges with moderation in diet. Um, And I think in our society, it's probably true that the majority of people, as we can see by the fact that two-thirds of people are overweight or obese, um, and there's so much diabetes, there's so much heart disease, uh, and nutrition is contributing to that, I think we can see that moderation in nutrition is a problem for a lot of us. And we're certainly surrounded by lots of opportunities uh, to be immoderate, uh, lots of highly processed foods and lots of messaging around, um, indulge yourself. You deserve it. That kind of thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah, certainly. And I I wasn't trying to point out, of course, that, that, you know, because moderation around food isn't my particular problem, that it's not everybody's clearly like that's That's the root of the problem, right? Like, as we said, moderation in theory should work. It's just that it's for so many people, it, it doesn't, right? I mean, for so many people like they try to do that because that's the advice they get but it turns out that it doesn't work for the vast majority of people.
0: That's right. And I think we shouldn't shame those people, you know, for people, you know, I I didn't want to bring up this topic in any way to shame Andrew Taylor. I, I actually, uh, I mean, I don't go around recommending to my clients that they do a year of only eating potatoes, but, um, for Andrew, that was really the path that he felt that was right for him. It's what he felt that he needed to do. Um, he was in an extreme situation with his diet before And, okay, this was an extreme answer to an extreme situation, but it's what he felt he needed to do to regulate his life. He did that for a year. Now the challenge is going to be coming out of that. What does he do next? He's not going on to eat potatoes for the rest of his life. At some point, um, even within each of us, even if we do choose an extreme approach for a period of time, at some point we do need to ask, are we going to continue with that? And um, then we get back to the question of moderation again. It will be interesting to see uh, what Andrew does. You know, I think Joe Cross has faced this as well. He's done um, juicing, uh, you know, he'll juice for 60 days, that kind of thing from the film, Fat, um, sick and nearly dead. He made, you know, dramatic changes to his health. But then, you know, what happens after that? And it's the, and I think the other um, person Person that was in the film with him has struggled with that too. Like what happens at the end of the juicing? How does he continue afterwards?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So certainly we're not, not trying to shame that. And in fact, I think it's it's fascinating that someone um, you know would, would be willing to try or, or would discover or just be open to even, you know, something like the potato diet, right? Where you just go totally extreme and it works. Um, I think, I think that kind of stuff is fascinating and it holds a lot of, uh, promise for like, it, like if we, if it turns out that there are things like that that are safe and they turn out to work really well, um, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, the, but the challenge then is like, eventually you need to learn yeah. how to do moderation. Cause they're
0: not, they're not safe forever.
1: Right. Sure. But right. so here's another, yeah. but what about like, this is kind of analogous to what I talked about with, um, putting all your attention towards one goal and then kind of forgetting about that while you tend to some other things, but then eventually coming back and putting all your attention towards there again. What if, and I'm not, I'm not even going to mention Andrew Taylor here as the example. Let's just say someone finds a method of dieting that is healthy enough, works for them. Let's, you know, let's just say somebody finds that, um, going hundred percent whole food plant-based and really making no exceptions at all. Um, you know, for a month, that that helps them to always lose whatever, their 15 pounds or whatever it is that becomes a problem. Do you think there's a problem then, Pamela, with someone doing that? Then once once they've kind of reached their either their target weight or whatever whatever metrics dis- says it's time to stop this now, um, and then over the next year or two years, they kind of let their weight creep up again because they, they aren't good at the moderating thing. And then they go to go do that, repeat that process. And, and therefore their weight kind of stabilizes, at least in the terms of like, it's not going up every two years. It's just sort of up and down within those two years. Do um, you think that's a problem? I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on the particular approach. Uh, but is, the, is that the solution for some people?
0: Um, I, I think what you're talking there is about someone sort of losing and regaining the same 20 pounds by following kind of a healthier um, whole foods, uh, approach to a plant-based lifestyle and then maybe ha- including a few more comfort foods and that goes, uh, you know, vegan, vegan junk food, that kind of thing. And then, and then taking a more whole foods approach again to lose the weight. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, that was my example, but it doesn't have to be that. I just mean like if somebody has a, a known approach that they can do that, you know, we think itself is safe. Um, and there's no loss of control. They just know that, like, when I after I've put on those fifteen pounds over the course of a year or whatever, then I do my my crash diet and I and I end up back where I want to be, and then it takes me a while to regain it. Like, is it okay yeah, to just keep keep doing the this all in approach because moderation doesn't actually work for you? Um, I don't know that yo yo dieting, right? Like, is that is that okay as yeah, long as the dieting? it's you're doing not inside?
0: ideal. It's not. It's definitely not ideal for us to be kind of losing and gaining, losing and gaining weight over and over again. I think if that is your situation and if you um, um, find success with a whole foods plant-based diet, but you find it difficult to stick with it longer term, then try that kind of approach as in cycling on and off of it, but try to make a smaller cycle. Mm-hmm. So maybe have um, a, a cheat day on Friday. And for some people that can work, trying to put boundaries around uh, the time period that they're going to um, be immoderate in their diet uh, and uh, or maybe have like a cheat meal. Um, I, I'm not necessarily advocating uh, cheat days, but I'm saying to be open to if that is important to you if you feel like if if uh if you're never going to break away from the rules that's just going to make you want to completely turn away from it and like a little bit of um a treat will make it easier for you to maintain a whole foods plant-based lifestyle mostly most of the time then try to put some boundaries around uh when you're going to uh move away from it not sort of achieve your goals then have like a year of uh, you know, eating nothing but uh, vegan pulled pork <laughs> and then coming back to eating whole foods plant based again. Um, that is uh, not the healthiest way to do it. It would be much better to try to figure out a way to um, integrate that uh, whole foods plant based diet as most of your time and then put some boundaries around um, relaxing those rules a little bit.
1: Right. So you mentioned cheat days, and I know it's, you know, you didn't want to, or you didn't necessarily advocate them there, um, but since that's not that far from this topic and potentially could be part of a solution, uh, what do you think about them? I mean, I guess as far as, you know, physiologically, but also in terms of how, how well they help us to to stay on track with a diet that's hard. I think
0: they can really work. I think they can really work for some people. I mean, I'll even say for myself in transitioning to being vegan, I, like many people, um, was kind of addicted to dairy and it was cheese that was the hardest thing for me to give up. And so, um, when I transitioned from being vegetarian to vegan I had vegetarian Fridays for a while, so, uh, I would be vegan for six days of the week. And then on Friday, um, I would have usually, uh, some cheese, um, usually in the form of a slice of pizza. Um, and, uh, and I did that for probably about six weeks. And then I found my, my taste started to change. I wasn't really craving that cheese so much anymore. Um, and then after a while I realized, oh, this is no longer important to me. I don't really need this cheat day anymore. And then it it was gone uh, and vegetarian Fridays went away and I was like completely vegan. And, and, um, I think, you know, cheat days can work I think for some people at some times um, it depends what your goal is and I think keep coming back to whatever your goal is and why your goal is important to you and let your uh, whatever boundaries you want to put around anything that that um, allows for some release within your overall plan let that work for you if you find it's not working for you and it's spilling over and it's starting your cheat meal is turning into a day which turns into a week um if that's happening for you then re-examine your goal is that really what you want are you actually really comfortable with that goal? are there parts about it that um feel uh that they're being put upon you and it's in your motivation is not actually intrinsic, um, you know, and that could be the reason why you're having trouble with um, with the cheat day spilling over in, into being, you know, half the time or most of the time. Uh, so I think cheat days can work. For some of us, they would just never work. Um, but I think it c- comes back to how tightly uh, and you were, you're holding on to your goal and how um, motivated you are by your goal, and I think if we're really, really motivated by our goal, for many of us, we won't really need that cheat day so much.
1: Okay, good. That, that's a great point to go next because uh, that actually does come back to another topic. I do want to quickly point out, like that we when we were vegan, we did something really similar to that. My wife and I, uh, and that was just that we said we were going to be we were vegan at home, but we were vegetarian when we went out, which amounted to mm-hmm. something very mm-hmm. similar to to. But you know, it ended up that on Fridays, maybe Saturdays. Uh, we would have one meal each day that was that was vegetarian, non-vegan but vegetarian, um, right? And and that I think that approach really works well, uh, and I've recommended it to a lot of people. Although now now that we're having this conversation, I'm wondering if I shouldn't uh, just kind of kind of wholesale recommend that, but actually should should first make sure that is right for that particular type of person that I'm talking about uh, and their particular goals. So what you just said to to wrap that up was. That you said perhaps if someone is is really highly motivated uh, to achieve whatever whatever it is they're trying to achieve through diet uh, just because we're kind of focusing on diet here, then someone like that may not need the the cheat day well the that's post- right so the where we started this conversation was was in in contrasting this conversation with the one about if you're trying to create a change in your life, is it better to approach it with small steps or is it better to just kind of go for it with with massive action like all in overnight approach and the, the best answer I've actually found to that debate, not that there needs to be an answer, but the best kind of rule that I can apply to that is that one that I got from, from talking to someone who does some kind of, I forget what exactly it was, but social science type thing and looking at, um, really looking at what causes people to change. And what he said was that people who have a very, very high level of intrinsic motivation to make a change, like they are excited and motivated and can't wait to make this change happen um, that they can actually do really well with that, that all in massive action approach. People who are changing for some other reason, because it's like a change that they just know they should make the doctor telling them or their spouse is telling them something that the the motivation is mostly extrinsic. It's not like that exciting for them. It's just something that they, even if they fully say like, yes, I really do need to do this. But th- you know, that's much different from just, you know, can't think about anything else because you're so excited to make this thing happen that those are the people who, who will do better with the small steps approach and say, I'm going to gradually approach this goal uh, to limit the the drain on my willpower and basically just make it so that I don't fall off the wagon, essentially. Um, is that, can, can we draw a parallel here with this with this discussion that, that for people who just have a high level of, of intrinsic motivation, uh, that they can just go for it with their diet and, and they're not going to need the moderation approach, but people who aren't so motivated. Maybe it's something they've failed at before. Maybe it's something that they're told they need to change, even if they're not that excited about it. Are they the ones who need more of a, of a moderation, even if that moderation does fall under, you know, is sort of regulated, um, like something like, you know, a cheat Friday or something like that.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I think, that, that absolutely is the case that if you have a high level of intrinsic motivation, um, if you've bought in very, very strongly um, to uh, a change in your life, then uh, you will have less need to deviate from it. And we've all met those people who transitioned to veganism overnight. They watched uh, Forks Over Knives or maybe they watched Earthlings or something and they just need that that switch, um, all in one day. Um, and I think, you know, a high level of intrinsic motivation is a wonderful thing because it's wonderful to be fully in line with your goals and, uh, not at mental battle with yourself and then just actualizing that through your life. But, you know, the reality is it's not always as simple as that. And there are all kinds of other competing realities in our lives. Like, you know, we've got family, we've got kids, we've got jobs, um, and our nutrition has to make sense uh, in that environment. So I think that um, it is true that uh, it's it's great when we can't be all in and very intrinsically motivated, um, and that makes um, more radical change uh, easier, but uh, that may come at a cost uh, somewhat To yourself but also perhaps to those around you Um, and so I think you need to we need to be aware of aware of that as well and so I think it can unfortunately just like with almost everything we've said in this conversation it can vary even within the same person they can be a person who can be uh, radically transformative about certain parts of their life um, at certain times and then other times they're going to take a more moderate approach. Um, Even within their diet, it could change at different stages of their life depending on what they're doing, whether they're training or whether they are, um, you know, maybe they've just had a new baby, uh, that kind of thing. Like I'm sure things in Doug's uh, family have have changed in terms of their nutrition over the last few months just as they're adjusting to um, Eliza being in their their household um, and the changes that that makes. So um, I think we need to try to connect with what's really important to us and uh, and let that uh, come out in our lives and our choices, including our diet. But we also have to be sensitive to every, everything else that we're also trying to do.
1: So along those same lines, if someone is trying to you know, make this choice because there is something they want to do and maybe they've tried it before and failed, or maybe it's a brand new thing that they're trying for the first time can we give any sort of universal advice at least to how to make that choice? Like, is it, is it going to, of course, I mean, I know it's not going to be cut and dry and just, you know, totally this is the right thing, but is it just as simple as look at yourself and and decide if you're someone who, you know, does the extreme kind of thing, maybe, maybe is addictive in some ways. Um, and then look at this particular goal and how much motivation do you have? towards? Like, is that, would you say someone should should kind of go through a flowchart approach like that to make this decision, or is, or do they just kind of feel it out and and you know hopefully have a have a gut uh, feeling for what's going to work better for them?
0: I think people often do know what's going to have what's going to work better for them. People' often introduce different types of approaches that people can take um in terms of the nutrition, and people will often kind of have a sense of what might work for them. Uh, and maybe listening to this, you kind of know whether you're an all or nothing person. Um, you know, are you the kind of person that if you were trying to say, give up chocolate, uh, would it be better to completely give up chocolate or have, you know, two squares of dark chocolate on Saturday, (laughs) that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, you know, people are going to kind of know, but then I would also encourage you to try things out and it's, it's okay. We've got a long life. We eat multiple times every day. There's opportunity to try things out. And so try something for a couple of weeks, um, you know, and see if, you know, within the whole foods plant-based approach, there are varieties of options. You know, you could uh, try something like McDougal or you could try um, more eating more raw food or, you know, uh, these different types of approaches to eating a whole food plant-based diet and see if any of them appeal to you. Do they work for you? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's okay too, to try things out and then give it a few weeks. And if it's not working for you, it's okay to try something else.
1: Yeah. As you were mentioning those, those examples, you know, like trying raw food or trying McDougal, I I just get the sense that like when something works and when it clicks, uh, it does because it's the right fit for you. And like that you can, you know, you might see yourself as someone who needs that who needs the moderation aspect, who needs, you know, to have this way to this outlet for indulging or whatever now and then just because you, you think that's what you need. But if you find something that like, I, you know, just clicks so well that it sort of like takes over and then you become really intrinsically motivated by that. Like I can just, I know when I did like a, uh, a fruitarian thing for a month and not very long, cause I don't, I don't really know that that's the healthiest way. To, in fact, I, I'm <laughs> pretty sure that's not the healthiest way to eat. Um, but I did it for a month, and after like two weeks of it, it just clicked, and I, I just started loving it. And then suddenly, I didn't need the, these little crutches here and there that would help me stick to it because I like right. it just all of a sudden clicked and became this thing that now that food became really attractive to me because I loved how I felt on it. I loved the energy I felt, uh, my mindset, all that stuff just went into place, and it was like, wow, this this makes sense to me now. Uh, and you know, it didn't last that long. It was not that practical, and I lost more weight than I was comfortable losing on it actually, um, but yeah I just I think uh just hearing you mention those examples, I think that's like you said, we have lots of chances to eat uh so it's quite a shame that we eat the same way year in year out, and then say, well we don't we just can't figure this food thing out because but you know there are so many different ways you can try things, even within moderation, which is another one point I want to bring up. we're talking about moderation as if um you know as if moder- it's a
0: steady, stable concept, which of course it isn't right
1: right and yeah. and in fact, our, our ways, our specific examples for how to moderate, like have vegetarian Fridays if you're a vegan, uh, or like you said, have the two squares of chocolate on this certain day that's your cheat day. Like, that's not even really moderation, right? Like, that's, that's applying these hardline rules, these, these guardrails into something. It just, it's, it's not saying you can't ever have this, so it's not quite as extreme as, as that, but it still is rules. It's still a rule in place that is there for you to follow. And I, I just kind of have a sense that maybe that's the answer for a, a large majority of people. I know it has worked for me, and I know it's worked for a lot of other people. Um, th- you know, this thing that's not quite so extreme, and it doesn't take away all our chances to have a certain food, uh, but it still lets us play this little game in our head that says, if I can get to Saturday, then I can be rewarded. And clearly, we're wired for that kind of stuff. You, you see this gamification stuff working in all kinds of businesses and apps and things. You know that that aren't either of those um we like that we like these rewards we like we like little mini challenges and having to to get to some finish line um so i think i think there's a that's a really interesting area and i i, I wonder how much research there is in in how because i'm sure there are infinitely many ways to set up rewards and games within this broad topic of of guardrails in moderation um so i don't know i think that's an, that's a really interesting idea and i'm glad that that we have <laughs> kind of stumbled upon that as, uh, as some an interesting way I like that. To create changes. I
0: like that, uh, way that you're classifying moderation. And I think that is probably true that even people who are successful within moderation, very few of them are just sort of intuitively successful in moderation. They're probably actually applying some kind of rules, um, right. To make their moderation work. Right.
1: Like even if somebody says, well, I, I did that marathon or that ultra marathon, Um, without really having, without being extreme about it, without having strict stuff, you're saying that basically that probably in their head there actually was some sort of set of rules that even if it wasn't a conscious one, uh, it basically said I have to run at this certain time each day before I you know go watch TV or do whatever. Right. Right. So even when we think we are just purely moderating and letting ourselves do what our urges want to do, uh, we might still have a lot of rules in our head that that actually you know are are providing those guardrails for us.
0: I think that's probably true for most of us. I know it's true for myself, anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. As I think about yeah. it, I hadn't really thought about this before, but as I think about it now, uh, it does seem like most times I've done things, there there is some kind of framework around it. Um, you know, whether it's, I also.
0: I also want to emphasize that you know, just we're speaking about a lot of things um, in in terms of uh, potentially more radical approaches to nutrition or moderate approaches, and I want to just emphasize I. Again, uh, and I know we're on the same page with this, and I know this is um, what the same page that uh, that most or almost all of your listeners are on. But just reinforcing that a whole foods plant based diet has a lot of science behind, <laughs> even just that being enough. Uh, we don't need to necessarily be more radical than that, and just that messaging is enough for many of us. But for some of us, um, there may need to be. More guidance on how to make that happen.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think it's a good point um, because it's it's funny to step back and, and think that like that is our baseline, right? We're saying that that's your baseline thing, and now it's about tr- taking on more extreme habits than that. Uh, when of that, to a lot of people, that that is a pretty hard thing to adopt on its own, and uh, already right. seems like a pretty like you must be a pretty extreme eater if you're making whole food plant based work. Um, so that that's a good reality check, uh, and you're right, there is a ton of science behind it. And, and for most of
0: us, for many, many of us already, just switching to a whole food plant-based diet is enough to, um, you know, prevent chronic disease, to uh, achieve a healthy weight, and uh, to improve longevity probably also to uh, enjoy better athletic recovery, all of these benefits, you know, even just with that. So I just want to emphasize that, that it's not that we, you, it's not that you need to then say, oh, well, do I also need to be raw? Do I need to take another step? You don't, you don't need to take another step. And actually that may be radical enough.
1: Okay. But then there are so many of these little sects within plant-based that where you have some guru advocating something that something is just the end all be all way right? You've got to be oil free or you've got to be hundred percent raw. Um, or who knows whatever. And there are so many other ones out there. Um, is it fair to say, Pamela, cause I'm, I'm sure you're someone who's, who's looked at a fair amount of, you know, the actual research and science here, like that, if those things were that important, um, that we would know it, that it would, that it would come out, that we wouldn't have to just listen to this guru who, who swears by this diet and says this is the only way to truly be healthy? Um, or do you think some of that stuff has potential and just hasn't been researched enough?
0: I think we need to be careful uh, about generalizing. You know, the, no oil stuff and within the whole foods plant-based Community really comes for the most part out of the research done by Dr. Esselstein. Mm-hmm. And I think that is excellent and extremely important research. But it was done on people who were in an extreme health situation um, and had uh, heart disease. And for those people, it was valuable for them to go on a, a radical diet of no oil um, and a whole food, plant based diet. And um, that Absolutely, uh, for people who are listening or who are in that situation or who have a family member in that situation, that is definitely something to investigate um, and to consider. Um, for people who are not in that situation, uh, that may not be necessary. And so I need—I think we need to uh, be careful about um, what the original research that backs up the approach, um, what that was where that originated and what client groups it was done on. Um, Other people may get wonderful benefits from eating no oil, um, even if they are not cardiac patients, um, but they may be able to get many of the same benefits from a low oil approach. um, If they are able to do that within moderation than, uh, as opposed to a no oil approach. So I wouldn't necessarily advocate no oil unless you are in already in, um, a fairly extreme health situation.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. I, I believe that is probably true. Um, my motivator for it is, is this family history of our disease and I'm kind of right. hoping to, you know, get it early or at least be on that train and not go 30 years and then say, well, I wish I would have, not eaten oil for the past 30 years. Um, and, and I am I'm kind of in this weird situation now where I'm like, I am on the fence and I'm actually trying to find the actual research. Uh, surprisingly in, in the beginning of the research I've done for this, I noticed that like there's, so of course there's the Mediterranean diet and all that stuff. Yes, um, but a ton of the stuff that I found actually says adding, adding some like olive oil consumption, particularly olive oil, but others as well. But usually it's talking about olive oil. Um, actually linked to reduced rates of heart disease and other stuff. So like, and of course that's not looking at plant-based diets in particular, that's just looking at, you know, across broad range of diets and saying, if we add oil into diets, what happens? Um, But that's been eye-opening enough because like the, the story that you get from just following the plant-based doctors is that oil is evil and oil is going to, you know, just cause heart disease. Um, It's certainly not that clear. It's a really interesting, um, Thing to, to say like yes so it's almost like alcohol right like alcohol can can it seems like across the board might be a beneficial thing in our diets because it's this good source of antioxidants uh, but then if you look at people who are already consuming lots of those antioxidants and for whom that cup of red, that glass of red wine is not going to be their their big antioxidant source or their resveratrol source because there are lots of others then it actually turns into a negative. Uh, so there's lots of interesting nuances like that, that I'm only beginning to look at and understand. Um, so anyway, I don't know, I don't know where exactly I'm going with that other than to point out that I've, I've been somewhat interested in that, uh, that area in, in particular, the oil thing as I've kind of, you know, been motivated to, yeah. it, but now wondering, uh, how, do I actually have to cut it entirely out or can I be someone who just eats it 10, 20% of the time, uh, and be okay that way.
0: And I think it's really, uh, great. That you are considering doing some further blood tests to find that out and uh, getting some advice. Uh, I think you mentioned Dr. Joel Kahn, maybe uh, being on the podcast, that kind of thing. I'd love to hear his opinions on it. I think, um, you, you know, oil is a processed food. Whenever we can limit um, our intake of processed food, that's a good thing. Do we have the evidence for those who um, are uh, healthy? Have good blood tests, have a healthy weight, are active. Do we have evidence to show that they could completely, they should completely eliminate oil? I'm not sure that we do, but I'm very open to seeing it. I'm very open to find, finding out about it. I think um, I wouldn't go adding a lot of oil in in a pursuit of health right. to my uh, to my food, um, but uh, I don't know that we have evidence yet to show that people who are who are already healthy, uh, need to completely avoid oil.
1: Gotcha. Just like we probably shouldn't yeah. add red wine glasses to our diet in pursuit of health either. <laughs> which I know, I mean, some doctors give patients that message, right? Yeah. They say, they say you, you should be drinking more alcohol, which is just crazy. I mean, even if it's not that bad, I just think it's crazy that it's being recommended as a health,
0: uh, as a but, health you know, food, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> For your health. For your health.
1: <laughs> right. All right, That's so apparently say, right? you've told me that, you, uh, that you've that you been experimenting with, with McDougal, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you uh, – okay. he's no oil, right? He's no oil at all,
2: right?
0: He is no oil at all. Um, it's not no fat, so I do include some nuts, seeds, a bit of avocado um, in my diet, so it's not – no fat, although it does work out to be fairly low fat. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the reason that I'm experimenting with it is just because I do care about the environmental impact of my diet. And living in Canada, um, in the winter time, as a vegan, I know that um, eating a whole food plant based diet is definitely a diet that has lower environmental impact than uh, eating a standard uh, American or Canadian diet. Uh, but I would like to see what more I can do and eating um, whole grains, eating potatoes, sweet potatoes, beets, carrots, um, apples, these things that uh, can be stored throughout the winter and we can still eat them. They're still, I'm still able to eat locally grown foods, whole grains, that kind of thing, beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada grows lots of pulses. Um, <laughs> so I can still eat those things in the winter uh, and eat locally. Whereas uh, in the summertime, I probably would not continue eating that way the whole time because we will have available to us all of our locally grown summer produce and I'll be eating more salads, more smoothies, that kind of thing, Um, enjoying more local produce from the farmer's market that's just not available this time of year. So that was my motivation Mm -hmm. uh, to do it. I do think it's also a very healthy way of eating. It's very inexpensive, which is great. Um, And it's tasty. I I love potatoes. I love lentils. I love beans. um, And it's very versatile. There's so many things you can do with it. My kids also love all those foods. So it's easy to eat that way.
1: Yeah, it certainly is easy and and is, I think, a a fairly kid-friendly diet among plant-based diets. uh, Because of that, the starch stuff is always one that appeals, not just to kids, but actually to a lot of people.
0: Yep, that's Um,
1: right. You, you know, in that interview, he he talked to me about which you maybe you heard as as someone who listens to most episodes of the podcast. Um, the idea that maybe we shouldn't try to get the most um, the most micronutrient dense foods we can find, you know, like like blueberries and kale and all these other things. Um, that that perhaps it could somehow be a bad thing. Do you think there's anything to be said? And of course, that that's why like starches would then take a larger portion of the plate, just because they they're not quite as high in that micronutrition, although far from being. Bad for you. Um do you do you believe that at all? I mean, do you think there's anything to do that as someone who's kind of done a lot of research?
0: Yeah, you know, um I had forgotten that he said that and you're reminding me that he said that. I was surprised to hear him say that. Um uh you know, I think he's probably referring to a fairly extreme type of diet where people would be eating mostly raw fruit and veg and maybe consuming very high quantities of kale or berries, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested in looking at the research on that. I have and I think for most of us that are eating those things as part of our diet, maybe you know, enjoying a big salad, enjoying a smoothie, but um, also having whole grains, having other, um, having other sources of nutrients in our diet, I think probably we don't need to be worried about that. I certainly would not want to encourage anyone to limit their veggies or fruit. I, I think eating veggies or fruit is a really good
1: thing. So we shouldn't do the... I'm going to uh, take
0: that radical stand as a dietitian and say veggies and fruit are good.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about starting a new diet that was all about like lots of red wine, not a lot of fruits and vegetables, a <laughs> lot of oil, just things we've I,
0: I think it would be popular, um, <laughs> but probably it's not like family, uh, healthy. Right? It won't be healthy. <laughs> no,
1: probably not. <laughs> all right, Pamela, well, this has been good. Uh, you're not a Blue Jays fan, are you, I hope?
0: Uh. Uh, I'm not m- very active in watching baseball, no. Okay,
1: good. Orioles so, are playing the I Jays right now. don't know. Day. But this is, I want say that it because it's <laughs> opening day of the baseball season, uh, which Doug and I talked about, I think, last episode, and the Orioles, who are my team, are playing the Blue Jays. Who are okay, team? well, all right,
0: I'm going to have to say, go Jays, go. I'm going to <laughs> be a Jays fan for for, for the purposes of this <laughs> podcast.
1: Just for entertainment purposes. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun, Pamela. Do you have anything else to add? I know we, we kind of started this uh, this conversation knowing that it was going to be all over the place, and a little bit it was, but I, I'm okay with that. We kind of corralled it. Um, just to make sure, we didn't miss anything really important that you wanted to bring up, did we?
0: We didn't miss anything. Just, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to don't don't be afraid if you want to try something that's a little bit more radical. If you feel that it's the right thing for your health, I think that uh, it's okay. Uh, to try things. It's okay to do something that's different from what most people in society are doing. And, uh, and you know, trust yourself. To some extent, don't, don't be afraid to play around with uh, different ideas within the Whole Foods plant-based community. Um, stick with uh, lots of veggies, lots of fruit, lots of grains, lots of uh, beans, and you can't go wrong.
1: <laughs> well, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. Uh, Doug and I have done a few episodes recently about why we love diet experiments, and then more generally and more recently, uh, why we just think people should get out of the box more and just, I mean, just do different things. You, That's right. You mentioned that it's not a bad thing to be different from everybody else. I think I think even more than that is a good thing uh, to be different from most people, just because I, more and more we are all the same, and we just kind of do all the same stuff with Facebook and TV and the couch and whatever else. So, uh, the more you can you can just be different, I think is good. And you know, with the with the the reason I really like putting things in challenge form is because by definition, then they are short and they are time bound, and you can. You can do something that is kind of extreme, and people, your friends are gonna be like, "What are you doing?" Uh, but you can do it for ten days or seven days or whatever. And I mean, of course, you gotta be careful, right? I'm not, I'm not saying don't drink water for that long, but <laughs> but you can you can do things, and you're not making like if you're, if you're hesitant to try a plant based diet. A lot of people, were, not so much recently, but in the early days of nomad athlete would say like. Well, should I try this? Or what's it going to do to my athletic times? Like, how how do you think it's going to affect my recovery? And my answer would always be like, just try it. Like, you, just because you try it doesn't mean that you're stuck doing it for the next five years. Do it, and then when you start to notice some sort of effect, whether it's good or bad, then you can decide like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this, or I'm going to stop. Like, you don't. There's no committing to this that's making you uh, making you have to keep doing it forever. I agree. So I think. Uh, I agree completely. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. you uh, yeah, do so,
0: experiment, but do go to your doctor once in a while for blood tests to make sure that you're not deficient. Yes. Just keep an eye on your health. And, uh, and if you're going to eat nothing but potatoes for a year, think about what your exit strategy is
1: because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> that, that kind of thing can't go on forever. Right.
1: Good. All right. Well, thank you, Pamela. <laughs> this has been fun, and I uh, look forward to having you on again sometime.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Bye.